Hello, I'm Todd Starnes, lead pastor of Odessa First Assembly, and I'm grateful that you joined us today. I hope and pray that this message will encourage you and bless you. And remember, you can find more information about us at odessafirstassembly.com. God bless you. So this morning, I'm going to talk to you, you know, where I was headed a couple of weeks ago um, is uh, uh, kind of heading towards really when I wanted to bring this morning about getting to that place of the importance of truth, especially the truth of the gospel, the truth of scripture that we stand on. And last week, we, or two weeks ago, we talked about kingdoms. We talked about the citizens of those kingdoms, about light and darkness and uh, the power of both. I mean, we, if you didn't know, we are engaged in a spiritual warfare. We are engaged in a battle. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians 6, 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. And when we read that, I just, I want to, because I know that there's many that you're mature in your faith, you're established in your faith, and of course there are others that are just now coming along and growing in their faith. I mean, this isn't meant to be like some, you know, Ghostbuster scenario, right? I mean, we're not packing on the gear and, and, and going after poltergeist type of thing. That's, that's not what is being described here. However, there is a spiritual battle going on in a dimension that we cannot see. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, it gives us, I think, a layer to this that I want to talk about this morning. And it's addressing, he's addressing the Pharisees. He's addressing the religious of that day, the Sadducees and Pharisees. But he gives a description here about the devil. And I want to pick up with that sentence. It says, he was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. He does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. Everybody say no truth in him. I mean, that's talking about the devil. Now listen to me. If the scripture tells us there is no truth in him, what does that tell us when he starts yapping at us? Or to us? I mean, we are so ready sometimes to take that in as truth, but it is not. There is nothing truthful that can come from the enemy. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is the father of lies. I think one, one uh, translation says there that his native tongue is that of lies. Just like my native tongue, and I mean only tongue besides heavenly tongues, is English. That's really all that I know. <laughs> And just as I speak English, or maybe your first language is Spanish, or, or French, or another language, that is the language of the enemy is lies. Just as my language you hear now is English, the enemy's is lies. I mean, are we adding that together? Are we processing that? But in John 8, 32, right above this, we see a promise given by Jesus, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Truth, as I said a couple of weeks ago, is the front lines of spiritual warfare. I'm going to tell you, until we stand completely on the truth, the rest of the spiritual warfare arena, we really cannot engage in effectively. And 
There's all kinds of strongholds. Remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about how those strongholds are established and how doors are open to the strongholds and how we fight those strongholds. But listen to me. I, if you hear something, there's two statements I'm going to make this morning that I really want you to catch. And if you're not a note taker, you need to write them down. But the first one is this one. If a lie is believed as truth, then the lie has the same power as the truth. If a lie is believed as truth, then the lie has the same power as truth. I really want that to seek into you this morning. If a lie is believed as truth, then the lie has the same power as truth. You know, I was reminded uh, um, of years ago, it was before, um, Chase might have been born, but Shaylee was really little. Shaylee was... Uh, uh, man, when, when, when she was really little, um, I got, I'm praying to be careful how I word that, but um, uh, she, uh, there was no stranger, right? I mean, no matter where we went, uh, I mean, she was trying to hug people, love on people. Everybody she met at the park was her best friend. I mean, to the point that sometimes, I mean, you'd be like in the grocery store and push her in the cart, and I don't know, there was like this really rough, gruff guy, right? Like, I mean, like he was like, I mean, he was, he was a rough-looking dude, and he was walking by us, and Kay, Shaylee just leaned over the grocery cart and just puckered up, like to give him a kiss. I mean, she just adored everybody, and was always, I mean, just the center of attention. And when she was really young, of course, we traveled all the time, and at this occasion, um, uh, the family was with me, and so Angela was singing, and uh, uh, Shaylee was going to sing with her. And this lady comes up, I mean, and Shaylee was, uh, just out of the blue, this lady tells Shaylee, she says, well, don't you have stage fright? And I mean, the inside, I was like, no! I mean, Amelia says, no, she does not. No, she doesn't. Uh, because I knew the power of somebody speaking that over someone else. And for years, we, Shaylee contended with stage fright. I mean, you wouldn't know that today, but we went through this whole season where, I mean, just very embarrassed, very shy, very, I mean, didn't want to be in the spotlight, didn't want to be on the platform. That's the power of words, even if not true. Do you hear me this morning? And I'm sure many of you right now, you're processing, you're thinking of maybe things spoken to you and, or in your life. If a lie is believed as truth, then it has, that lie has the same power as truth. Because you need to know this morning, we, number one, we are the enemy's target. We are human. And, I, and yes, I do believe that believers have a special crosshair on us. But you need to know that humanity is the enemy's target. We are the enemy's target. And he can be subtle. He can be obvious. He can, um, he'll, he'll attempt things over and over and over and over and over and over. I know I say this often, but I, I really want to hammer this in into our minds and our hearts is that it doesn't matter if you're saved or not saved. The enemy hates you just the same. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. You see, the Bible tells us in Genesis 1:27, so God created man in his own image. 
and the image of God, he created him, male and female, and created him. That does not mean that God made us to be little gods. It does not mean that. It does not mean that, that we are the same as God, the same level as God. That's not what it means. But we do carry the image of God, and the enemy detests that. He hates that. And that's why he wants you to succumb to that temptation. That's why he wants you bound up in that stronghold. Uh, it, it, really in, kind of in the, in the house of lies and manipulation and deception. That's where the enemy wants you to live. But I, I want to remind you something this morning. Is that Do you remember the account of where this man approached Jesus? And it was... Uh, 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 this man came to Jesus and I believe he was from the religious of the day and so he approaches, he comes to Jesus and he, he asks him about the tax. Does anybody remember this? He asks Jesus about the tax and, and Jesus responds to him, uh, I think it's in Matthew 22, he responds to him and said, you know, what, whose image is on that coin? And the man said, well, it's Caesar's. And Jesus says this, this is the one statement that I wish Jesus would have never made. Render under Caesar's what Caesar's. Thank you, Jesus, for making it legal and you know, to pay taxes. Thank you. We've got to talk about that when we're in eternity. That's what he says. He says, render, under, render to Caesar what is Caesar's. And I really think the man, I, you know, he really missed the next question. You know, ask that question, whose, whose image is on that coin? And when he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but then he said, but give to God what is God's. My next question, I think, would have been, well, then what is God's? And I think, I believe, here's what Jesus' responses would have been. Whose image is on you? Whose image is on you? Give to Caesar what's Caesar's, but give to God what's his, and that is us. We bear the image of God. The reason Satan hates you is because God's image is on you. Come on, somebody. The reason the enemy's target is upon you because God's image is upon you. He fashioned you. He formed you inside your mother's womb. He's got a purpose and a plan for you. He's got a future and a hope for you. And the enemy detests it. He hates it. He wants to destroy it. And I'm going to tell you, the enemy, he is relentless in what he does. Number two is this. The enemy imitates. The enemy imitates. In 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, 14, it says, And no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Some of us are familiar with that passage. We know that scripture. And no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. I, and if you read verse 13, I don't think it's going to be on the screen, but he's, Paul is addressing really false teachers is what he's doing. And he tells them there's, such, there's false apostle, apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as the apostle of Christ. And no wonder Satan disguises himself like an angel of light. And I, I really believe that's a, a, a powerful statement that Paul is writing. Paul wasn't all surprised that false teachers were pretending to be the ministers of God because Satan himself does the same thing. Listen to me. This is not in my notes, but I, I really have got to say this. I, I'm going to be very careful in the way that I say it, but not everybody you hear on the podcast or the TV or the radio is from God. They're not. 
And we re, if, if there is ever a season that we need to cry out to God for discernment, it is now. Why? Because the enemy imitates. The enemy imitates. He masquerades. Masquerades means a false showing. He masquerades. He disguises. He imitates. Listen, the enemy has two goals. To take something that is evil and make it look good. To take something that is good and to make it look evil. Did it say loot up there? It sure does. Yay! Spell check doesn't catch everything. Not when you... That's a real word, I guess, huh? I looked at my notes. I was like, oh no, that's going to be on the screen. The enemy's two goals is to make something evil look good and something that is good to look evil. I just saw a story. I did not fact check this yet, so you may want to, don't do it right now. You don't, I don't want you to Google right now, but you can fact check it after church. I will. But I, just right before church, I saw an article where in Finland that there's an a advertising campaign that, has, that they have released an image of the Burger King mascot and the Ronald McDonald mascot kissing. And their heads form a heart. Now, like I said, I have not fact-checked this yet. It may be dangerous bringing this up right now, but, I mean, just at the onset, it looked kind of, it, it, it did look authentic. And, um, you know, I mean, it's just amazing to me of what this secular world is taking in as good when it's deception. See, the enemy, one of the things he does, he wants evil things to look good. He wants evil things to look good and he wants to make good things look evil. Just to remind you that Satan is a created being. He cannot create. He only imitates. He only deceives. He only manipulates. He only imitates. And we can see that in so many areas of life. I'm going to tell you that living together is an imitation of the covenant of marriage. It is. You do not get the faithfulness, the, the hand of God's blessing upon your life unless you're in a right relationship with God. I, you know, I know it's one of those things that it's hard for our culture to hear. And I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that as you know, trying to cast condemnation. I want you blessed. And that's not the only thing, right? I mean, why is we see a lot of scriptures about the Holy Spirit and wine being in the... I mean, there's one that comes to mind. You know, don't be drunk, but be filled in the Holy Spirit. Because alcohol is an imitation of the Holy Spirit. Why? Okay. Right, some of you are just kind of... You'd be amazed. I, it's, I, I love it. I, I, you know, there's no one in the room right now, so I, I feel okay sharing this. But uh, you know how many times, man, I've been in uh, HEB or, or, uh, or uh, you know, our other grocery store, and I'll be walking down the aisle, and I see cases. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, cases of beer. And, it's, you know, somebody that's been, and they see me, and they think they dunk down an aisle, and I go after them, man. I mean, I take, I don't let them run from me. Hey, how you doing? What's all, looks like you're about to have a good time. Yeah. Just, just be warned. I don't act like you're not there. But here's the fine print. I, you know, there's something, 
I, you know, I definitely don't think a meme on Facebook is like, you know, the, the, the place where we get our spiritual food. But I did see something that I thought, you know what, that is so, that is so good and, and so true. And it said this, if you're having sex before marriage, go to church anyway. If you're a drug addict and trying to beat the addiction, go to church anyway. If you're out drunk all night the night before, then go to church anyway. If you aren't sure what gender you prefer, go to church anyway. If you can't quit that disgusting habit, go to church anyway. Church is a hospital for the broken, lost, empty, confused, desperate, and rejected. Every sinner has a future, and every saint has a past. I'm going to tell you... That God can do it. He can change any life. He can redeem any person. Do not fall for the deception of the enemy that you can't be forgiven. That your life can't be turned around because God can do it. God can do it. And that's a, the, the, the third thing is this. Is that the enemy, he deceives. The enemy deceives. In 2 Corinthians 11.3, it says, But I'm afraid, this is Paul writing again, But I'm afraid that the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning. Your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. I mean, Paul is making reference to what happened in the garden in the fall of man. And the way that the enemy caused that to happen, one of the ways is, is that he wanted Eve, he wanted Adam and Eve to feel like that God was withholding something from them. You see, there's all kinds of areas that we can be deceived. And, I, and remember this, is that the problem with deception is that it's deceiving. And the problem with being deceived is that usually the deceived don't know that they are deceived. But there's lots of, dece- lots of lies we believe. One lie is the lies about, our, about ourself, yourself, ourself. I mean, there's all, you know, about our worth. I don't know about you, but I hear a lot of that voice in my head. You're worthless. You don't measure up. You'll never be successful. Nobody likes you. Am I the only one? Is anybody else hear that voice? I mean, either they commit us all to get, put us all in the loony bin, or no, that's really the enemy. What others think of me, I can't change. If you really knew me, you wouldn't love me or like me or accept me. Remember this, the fingerprint of the enemy. But see, that also goes the other way. You know, the scripture tells us that uh, we can think more highly of ourselves than we ought. I mean, there are people that are on the opposite end of that. You know, they're just, they're God's gift to everybody. You know, you, you, you know what I'm talking about? Don't, don't look to your neighbor. Dean, don't look at Karen. It's a, don't look at your neighbor. I, I want to I share something with you. Remember this, the fingerprint of the enemy is pride, but the fingerprint of Jesus is humility. The fingerprint of the enemy is pride, but the fingerprint of Jesus is humility. Lies about happiness. What's going to bring us fulfillment? What's going to bring us security? A lot of people are deceived in what's going to bring them fulfillment and security. I'm going to tell you, the paycheck is not going to bring you fulfillment or security. Lies about God. The enemy wants you to believe that God is withholding something good for you. God will 
never do that for me. Or God always does that for someone else. Or God can't forgive me. I've done too much bad. I can't live for God. So why live for God anyway? All of those is, is lies. It's deception. So what do we do? Number one is this, is we submit to God. The Bible tells us, submit yourselves to God. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And I know many of us know this promise, but I'm going to tell you, kind of want to take that second part just really quickly, is resist the devil. It is a struggle. It is a fight. And you can fight back. But here's a beautiful thing about as we fight, we are fighting against a defeated foe. I said we are fighting against a defeated foe. The Bible tells us that on the cross that Jesus stripped the enemy of all of his weapons. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Those are promises to us. We are fighting, we are resisting a defeated foe. So do not submit to the deception. Do not submit to the imitation. Do you hear me, church? But resist. Submit to truth. Submit to God. Listen to me. I firmly believe that the moment of salvation is a very simple thing. I really do. We come to the place where we acknowledge that we are sinful man. We acknowledge that we've sinned and we fall short of God's glory. The short of his measurement of perfection. We're never going to measure on our own of that level of perfection. But see, he provided an avenue, didn't he? He provided it through his son, Jesus. Jesus, the one that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus died on that cross and he shed his blood and fulfilled all the prophecies said about him. And he shed his blood and then they placed him in that borrowed tomb and then he rose again on the third day. And now he's at the right hand of the Father sealing the fact of that he is the Son of God and that we can be forgiven of our sin. And so we come into this place and say, yes, I have sinned. I'm going to tell you there's something the American God gospel misses you cannot be saved unless first you acknowledge your own sinfulness you can't but if you acknowledge that sinfulness and then you say Jesus thank you for shedding your blood for me and the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth we believe in our heart that Jesus as a son of the living God, that he is that one that died on the cross and was risen from the grave and out of the right hand of the Father. The Bible says, then we are saved. That process is relatively a simple process. All it takes is just faith. But I'm going to tell you from that point on, to be a follower of Christ costs you everything. It costs you everything. It's not something we do as a hobby. It's not something we do on the side. It's not something we do just on Sundays. 
It takes everything to be a believer and a disciple and a follower of Christ. It takes everything. And there is nothing, listen to me, there is nothing that we can leave unsubmitted to his lordship. It takes all of us. You know, the beauty of that is I love seeing the work of the Holy Spirit in different levels in everyone's life. I mean, there is sin that we know unequivocally is laid out in this book. It tells us black and white. But I'm going to tell you, there is another arena in which to live. And that is when you are just fully open to the speaking and the leading of the Holy Spirit. But here's what's dangerous about that. (laughs) Is you don't know where he's going to lead you. You don't know what he's going to ask of you. But to me, there is better no life than live than to live the life that says yes before I'm asked. There is no more fulfillment in life to me than that. And so how does that come into what I'm talking about? Is that God may be speaking to you something. He may be directing your steps towards something. Or See, the beauty of it is, is this. Lord, I want to be used by you, right? That's a prayer that so many of us have prayed so many times. I want to be used by you, God. Use me. Use me to do something. And then you see a homeless person, and your first thought is, I'm not giving them money. They're just going to go buy some drugs or something. Are, are you hearing me this morning? Oh, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I want you to forgive so-and-so you've had offense against. Oh, I, well, they deserve that. No, uh, they'll get away with it, God. Am I preaching where we're living now? I'm going to tell you, We need to be submitted to God in every area of our life. Every area. That means loving who we define as unlovable. And not resistant or not begrudgingly, but really love. It means if God speaks through our heart and convicts us of a specific TV show, we turn it off. Right? You understand what I'm telling you this morning? It means if God says, do this or do that or give this or give that or go here, that we are absolutely submitted. And it certainly means that when Scripture lines it out for us, we know there is no other way. Submit, therefore, to God. And when you're at that place of submission, it's a whole lot easier to resist resist the enemy and see him flee. The second thing is this, is renew our mind. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. I know talking about change is not just really just all that comfortable, but listen to me. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. By testing you may discern what is the will of God. There's another scripture. I don't think I have on the screen for you, but uh, it's 1 Peter 1.14. It says this, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. I love how Peter says that. Don't be 
conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Listen, if you want change in your life, if you want to be set free when it feels like the hooks, what the enemy has gotten inside you or your life, then here's a key. Yeah, we submit to God, we resist the devil, he flees from you, but we have got to get our mind in the way of thinking of what Scripture tells us who we are and how we're to live and what's available to us. You're not going to change it from the outside in. I mean, there are some times, I mean, sometimes you just got to take the loppers. I forget what they're, we call them loppers. What are those things called? You you trim trees with them? Are they tree trimmers? That's scientific. We call them loppers. I don't know where that came from. We use them to cut off legs from animals when we, you know, anyway, that's a whole other story. So, deer and pigs and stuff, sorry. Not like cats and, okay. Um, Anyway, so... (laughs) Sometimes when we get saved, we gotta take, we gotta let God take the loppers to our life. There's just some things immediately that have to be cut away. Do you hear me? This, I mean, I mean, this cold turkey, get it done, get it over with, and let God clean up our. It's called sanctification, is what it's called. Our life gets cleaned up by the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to tell you something. If you've been saved for any amount of time, you know it doesn't stop right there. But our way of thinking has got to come in line with this book. Right? See, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify. That's what I'm talking about, right? Sanctify cleaning us, doing this, this changing by the Holy Spirit. The sanctification begins, but if any man be in Christ, he's a what? New creation. Why is he a new creation? Because the old is gone. That's the birthplace of sanctification in our life. That's God doing that cleansing and that working on the inside of us, but it doesn't stop there. It's also a growth process, a growing process, a continuation that happens in our life. Sanctify you what? Completely. And your whole, where does it begin? Look at it with me. You know where it begins? In your spirit. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. That's where truth begins When I'm praying every single Sunday that our hearts be good soil to receive his word, that's what I'm talking about, is that it begins, it gets planted into our spirit, man. And so whether it's by the preaching of the word, or it's by reading your daily devotions, or doing a Bible study, or going to connect group, amen. The word is being planted on the inside of our spirit, man, and there it has the opportunity to do something. It has the opportunity to change the way that you think. It has to begin in my spirit first before it changes my mind. Romans says that our minds are against the things of God. Our unrenewed mind are against... It's because God gives us a way to live that doesn't make sense to the world system. So it has to be in our spirit man first. So we read these words. We read those words. I'm an overcomer in Christ. I'm no eye has seen, no ears heard, or no man has thought of that is what God has prepared for me. I mean, that's where all those promises come alive. It's in our spirit. Have you ever read that? Have you ever come across maybe something you didn't see it the way that you just read it and you've read it a hundred times and then it's just like, wow, the light bulb goes off. That's when it hits your spirit, man. 
And then it changes the way that you think. Look what the scripture says. And soul, that's what it's talking about. That's that, that's that soulish part of you, your, your heart and your mind. I like to say it this way. It changes your want to. You see, when you're living life in a direction that is not submitted to the Lord, there are things you want in life. But when that renewing happens, that begins to renew your mind, it shifts and it changes your want to. You begin to desire and want and hunger for the things that God has for your life. And then we see it does what? Then that your body be met, kept blameless. And then what does it do? It changes. When you change somebody's spirit, man, when somebody's spirit, man, is, is renewed and shifted and changed, and it changes the way that you think, do you know what changes next? How we act. How we act. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that this message was an encouragement to you. Remember, you can find more about us at odessafirstassembly.com and also across the social media platforms. It is our prayer that God blesses you, keeps you, sustains you. And if you're ever in the area of the Permian Basin, come and join us at Odessa First Assembly. God bless you.